Here we go. Hi, everybody. Hey. <laughs> Hi. Welcome to Alive and Well, the podcast uh, for wellness professionals by wellness professionals. Hell Woo-hoo. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish we were more natural at intros. You know, we've been doing podcasts off I and really on. I thought we'd be better at it by yeah. now. We've yeah. been doing podcasts off and on for what, like almost eight months and I feel like every time we intro a podcast, whether it's here or over on It Burns, <laughs> Michaela just, just like smacked her microphone. <laughs> I'm telling you, Ignore we that, are sorry. not I'm pros. not, yeah. <laughs> I just got done saying wellness professionals, um, and that might be true, but podcast professionals, we are not. So it's fine. We can't sorry. be good at everything, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're back. Welcome to episode three of the podcast. Yay. Lucky number three. And today I'm going to tell you a little story and it's going to kind of get us into a topic that I think will pop up a lot um, in the future of this podcast, because it is something that I personally am uh, very much invested in. And I think also it just is something that's happening in the wellness industry that I think that people aren't paying enough attention to. So we're going to talk about wellness influencers today. And I want to start out because, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's so interesting that you say that like, it's, it, this is something that not a lot of people pay attention to while also simultaneously, it's the biggest thing that we all pay attention to. Yeah. Just not in the way that maybe we should be. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, and that's, what's so funny. I think like influencers aren't like elusive, right? They're not like these people that like nobody knows like we are constantly bombarded with their content yet we continue to say they don't actually have that big of an impact and like if people were smart they like wouldn't listen to them and of course people are still like going to their doctors and not using you know their favorite tiktok star for health and wellness information but like Hmm. that's not true like i've had physicians who are like my patients are smart enough to not do that. I'm like, no, they're not. And also it's not about smarts. It's not about intelligence and knowledge. Like you're not stupid if you take influencer content and apply it to your life. It's just the way that things are now. And again, like I'm not trying to say influencers are good or bad, good or bad necessarily, but I think it's important we start to talk about them in relation to the wellness industry because we have talked a lot about influencers in the context of fashion and beauty and lifestyle and family, right? There's a ton of influencers that are in those genres um, of internet culture. We've talked a lot about, but wellness is such a new space for academics uh, from an empirical standpoint in my industry. And also I think that it is continuing to be a focus of marketing and business professionals. Those who are in influencer marketing are constantly looking at wellness um, influencers. And kind of toward the end of this episode, I'll talk a little bit about why I think wellness influencers are important, but I'm going to start out first by talking a little bit about just what they are, because I think we have an idea of what influencers are, but if you sit someone down and really ask for specific definitions and how you might determine who is an influencer and who isn't, there's still a lot of disagreement there. So Mm -hmm. 
But first, I'm going to talk about this wonderful woman who I don't think Michaela knows, and actually a lot of other people don't know, especially in our audience in the United States. Um, and her name is Belle Gibson. And if that name rings a bell for you, that's awesome. Um, but Belle Gibson is an Australian woman. Um, and back in the 2010s, she, I guess I should say early to mid 2010s, she was really interested in holistic health and followed a lot of holistic health bloggers. And when Instagram started uh, 2014, 2015, she got an Instagram account and was one of the most well-known holistic health and wellness influencers in Australia, and also starting to kind of uh, cross over and and come into the United States, into the UK, and become more popular uh, globally. And she was a really interesting woman. She shared a lot of recipes and wellness tips and tricks. And then one year, don't remember exactly what the year was um and that's terrible that I don't remember it but it was in like 2015 2016 something like that she announced that she uh was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor so she had brain cancer it was terminal um and so then she decided that she was going to turn her content into how she could manage her brain cancer and the supplements she was taking and the the habits she was following and the food she was eating in order to make herself um, healthier. And ultimately, she shocked everybody, including her doctors, by uh, what she believes to be curing her brain cancer. And when she was pressured uh, into talking more about it, she really, I think, came out and said it was just managed. And so she could live with it. So she was no longer going to die from her brain cancer because of the foods and the supplements and the habits that she was creating um, around living a healthier lifestyle. And she was making money and promoting these supplements and products and recipe books and things like that to all of these followers who really admired her strength for fighting against this, this terminal disease and being able to stick around for longer. At the time that all this was going on, she was so popular in Australia that she actually was the very first wellness app to be introduced on the Apple Watch in Australia. So she was starting to partner with a lot of people in the technology industry at this time when Apple Watch um, was really growing in its popularity and adding these fitness apps um, to the wearable and she also um, had a best-selling cookbook on Amazon, uh, and she had a lot of well-connected friends in this space. And throughout this time, um, as Belle was kind of crafting this narrative and growing and growing and growing in popularity because of her cancer diagnosis and then her ability to kind of solve it, that um, people started to poke holes in her story. And so these two journalists um, sort of continued to poke holes until it was discovered that she, in fact, had completely fabricated the entire story of her brain cancer. So she never actually had cancer. She had paid someone who I think was a physician or used to be a physician to sign paperwork saying that she did have brain cancer, but she didn't actually. And there were all these fraudulent claims. Um, and then beyond that, as, she, as her popularity kind of grew, she also was claiming to do all these charitable 
fundraisers and projects. So she would host all these different things and make all this money that she was giving to charity supposedly. And it turns out she was not giving any of that money to charity. So not only did she lie to her followers and encourage them to buy products and and change their lives in these certain ways to, to improve their health, including people who also had cancer themselves um, and capitalizing on, you know, this holistic health space, moving away from pharmaceuticals and traditional wellness culture. But she also was claiming to be this huge philanthropist and turns out she was keeping all of that money. So in 2017, the federal court of Australia um, found her guilty of misleading and deceptive conduct. And she was fined over $400,000 specifically because she made false claims about donating a large portion of her profits to charity. And also to this young boy uh, that she had met who had an inoperable brain tumor. And she was kind of aligning herself with him to make, you know, herself seem this amazing, you know, person when in reality she was, um, a cancer con woman. And as of 2022, she still, um, hasn't paid all of that money back. And they have no idea where all this money went because she was making millions and millions of dollars off of a narrative that was completely false. Um, she did not do any jail time, but it was a huge, Huge deal. Um, And it's kind of an example that I think has gone undetected for a long time. So she was on 60 Minutes Australia, which was a big one. And then there's also this book um, that I really love. And so if people are into reading about this, it's called The Woman Who Fooled the World. And it's by the two journalists who um, actually came up with uh, or came up, came kind of came forward with this information and and called her out for being a fraud. Their names are Bo Donnelly and Nick Toscano. Toscano. Um, So fantastic book. Um, If people are interested in it, we can put it in the show notes in the description. Um, But it's a wonderful book and it details a lot about Belle Gibson's story. And this was a story that I found out about in 20... 19 the spring of 2019 so i was a little bit late about a year and a half but i think i still meet people who have no idea who bell gibson is or was and all the things that she has sort of done but i think it's a prime example of what happens when influencer culture is not taken seriously and when influencers go you know detected yet undetected and are able to utilize different techniques uh in order to build credibility and the bell gibson story was actually um the first story that kind of encouraged me to look more into credibility building especially when an influencer doesn't actually have certifications or anything in kind of a health related field like bell gibson had zero experience in anything that she was talking about you know? And so I really, really love that, that story because I think it shocks like a lot of people. And it's a really interesting thing that nobody really knows about, but it's kind of the beginnings of my wellness influencer research journey. Uh, mm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I laugh because I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. This type of stuff is, rent like it it's awful like Uh it it is unbelievable to me um so much so that it's entertaining which is probably messed up but it's giving elizabeth holmes it's giving anna delvey it's giving she needs documentary for people to shit on her because i feel like that's what happened with elizabeth holmes and anna delvey um 
and, and which just goes to show your point of we have not been talking about this as mm-hmm. much and i'm very much within the like i i think i think i would say that i have a finger on the pulse of the social media world yeah. influencer world it's part of my job um and i don't retain names very well so mm-hmm. i'm not surprised but I have heard the story before. As yeah. soon as you said brain tumor, I was like, "Got, ah, yep, mm-hmm. yep, I know how this mm-hmm. ends." Um, but even even I, I I'm someone who works in this industry, and I it, this not is not top of mind. This is yeah. just such a perfect example. What a what a perfect story to really showcase the like just the dangers of how. I, I need to find a way to, better way to put this. Just how gullible we are. Yeah. Online. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why we call them influencers is because we are influenced. Yes. Yes. And that is one of the biggest kind of pushbacks I have against the argument that people make, which is influencers don't matter in our culture. And I'm like, well, do you realize that if influencers don't matter, we wouldn't have them because influencers do not exist without people who are influenceable. Like (laughs) influencers literally would not exist. Um, if we didn't follow them, like they would have no job because the job of influencers, right? So like the definition that I use is influencers are everyday social media users who garner large following. So they build up all these, these followers, um, online and they promote products and services and beliefs and ideologies and habits to all of these people. And what I think is interesting is the original definition of influencers was just products and services on behalf of brands. And it was very much predicated on their use in everyday life, right? So influencers were these kind of accessible people who would, I don't know, use a coffee maker in their life and post a picture and then realize that coffee maker was sponsored. But more and more and more and more, influencers are also promoting kind of these daily habits and these beliefs and these ideologies around religion and wellness and politics. And it's sort of shifting how we think about what an influencer's job is and what an influencer's job can be. Like outside of wellness, for example, um, there are countries around the world, including the United States, who are working on legislation or um, regulations to keep influencers from being able to promote politicians during you know, um, periods of, um, like voting periods because they're really influential and they can be paid, they can be paid, right. To, to kind of join in to political campaigns and convince people to, to vote for politicians, even though they have zero experience in public policy or whatever it is, it's just because they like a particular person. Now I'm really curious, like how that would be regulated and actually enforced. So basically it'd be just like the FTC regulation from 2015 that says all influencers have to disclose if they are like producing sponsored content. It would basically be like influencers are not allowed to be paid to speak on behalf of a politician and people can report them. But like, because, because technically if they are being paid by a politician or by a political party to speak on their behalf, the 2015 regulations say they have to disclose it. So either they're getting in trouble for not disclosing a partnership or they're getting in trouble because they did disclose a partnership. Oh, got it. Okay. okay. Right. And so, I mean, and that's a little bit off topic for wellness, but like it's happening everywhere. Right. And um, I think that that is one of kind of, that was one of my primary goals over the last couple of years. And I've started to insert it into my research, which is 
influencers do not just promote products and services. They promote all kinds of things and they influence so many people to to not only do things and buy things, but to believe things and to insert different things into their daily life, you know, um, whether it's just like a thought about something or a particular habit or a tactic. Um, and all of that stuff is really important to pay attention to, especially when it comes to wellness. I think people were totally up in arms when fashion influencers were working with clothing brands and not telling anybody. And I'm like, okay, but now we don't care that this influencer is like, eat this green juice or drink this green juice or skinny tea and you're going to lose weight and whatever. Like nobody cares about that, which isn't true. Like people do, but we're not seeing this like mass move toward legislation regarding influencers giving medical advice. When experts in the same space, right? If we if we talk about wellness versus pharmaceutical culture, like we did in episode one through Colleen Durkatch's book, like why are we allowing people over here who are in the wellness space who don't have any expertise give medical advice when the physicians with the medical expertise aren't even allowed to talk about it because mm-hmm. of particular board rules or whatever it is that they, you know, are working underneath because they have particular standards and ethics that they work under and influencers do not have a standard code of ethics. It's not a thing. It's very unregulated in the United States. In other countries, they do. Um, but here in the United States, there's no like one governing body and you know, like how journalists and PR professionals, like all of them have like societies, like the PRSSA, like, you know, public relation society of America, like they have a code of ethics. Like influencers don't have that. They can kind of Mm -hmm. do whatever the hell they want to do. And that is really, really dangerous. And I feel like people are acknowledging it a little bit but nothing is happening in response well what do you suggest like what do you think Mm. should happen you know (laughs) it's hard to know and that's something that I always tell my graduate students and my undergraduate students this because we're like well what do we do and I'm like that's not my job (laughs) my job is to tell people what's going on and to critique it until people realize that there's something going on and we can create this larger body of people who are here to have, you know, the right conversations. Yeah. If anything, I would love to have some legislation um, mm-hmm. similar to the 2015 FTC regulation that says you have to disclose a partnership. I think that influencers who share health and wellness advice on the internet should be required to put a disclaimer about the fact that they are not a medical professional and that what they're sharing is um, not to be taken as medical advice. Um, I think that there are um, shows. So for example, Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop Lab show on Netflix. um, In a lot of the episodes that talk about specific wellness products, they have a disclaimer at the very beginning that says that this episode and the information presented is not intended to um, be used as medical like expertise you know do you think that people actually that that actually affected how people took that information hell no no and i guess what i'm trying to communicate i think is (laughs) that will reduce liability 
for influencers and also create longevity within wellness influencer culture, right? Because again, absolutely. Does the disclaimer about being sponsored by a fashion company actually impact the decision-making of a follower who's deciding whether or not they want to buy that product? Some research, I mean, research is a little bit um, inconclusive at this point, but like a lot of the research that I have been seeing at least recently is that people appreciate, um, like followers appreciate when an influencer says, yeah, I was paid to talk about this thing. Mm -hmm. But like, if they like that thing, they're still going to buy it. You know, like it's great. Yeah. If they disclose that they had a partnership with this company and now they're wearing this jean jacket, but like the disclosure doesn't hurt nor harm the influencer and that the followers are still going to buy it if they like it because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they understand they're being advertised to. It doesn't mean that they're not going to buy it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I, I completely agree. And I see what you're saying. And I think that I I have seen a lot of wellness influencers use that disclaimer. Sure. Um, so I think it is happening, but I don't think that it is being, like you said, regulated on a like governmental level yeah. or even like a PRSSA level, like there's not an official regulation on what's happening. But I do think that um, I've seen like people who give like food advice say, always say, I'm not a dietitian. Like you should always talk to your doctor before you do this. And I think that they are I don't know if they're really thinking through exactly why they're saying that. I think to them, it's like fear-based of, I have never been sued for this. I've never seen anybody be sued for this, but I could. So I'm just going to throw this in in the comment after I give this advice, right? Like, Yeah, you're I think spot on. People are doing it. They're not fully understanding exactly why they're doing it. And they're not doing it because it there there's someone bigger than them telling them to do it but i think that they're intuitively adding that in especially after the advertising uh regulation that has started to happen so um i don't know i i think that i guess i you know you say you you got us to the issue now we all need to continue the conversation and continue to talk about talk through these issues to eventually come to a conclusion. But I think that like, and, and I'm asking this with the, the understanding that you don't have the answer, but I'm just wondering how, like how we as independent individual people can start to like, think about when we open Instagram or TikTok, like how are we, um, contributing to the problem or contributing to the solution especially if we are creators in the space right like yeah how can I start to think about this in a more wholesome way holistic Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. of the entire story right like and I think the answer is really like always question yourself if you are the one consuming the content and always be able to back up what you're saying but at the end of the day though there's always going to be the bell gibsons of the world like those aren't going to go away um we can try to like make it happen a lot less and and i'm not trying to say like oh we can't do anything like we absolutely can Mm -hmm. but with with the understanding that like you know elizabeth holmes 
somehow i i i, I it's baffling to me yeah. i'm 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 not gonna talk about it but like it baffles me how she got away with so much with the fda like yeah yeah well it's so. what i'll say you just hit on so many things that i have already decided before we came into this episode that we're going to talk about in episode five <laughs> so this oh, is episode nice. three episode five is going to build on this kind of bell gibson story and we're going to specifically talk about what is something that is very interesting to me and something you hit on at the beginning of what you were just saying um i actually had an article be accepted yesterday in the top journal in my field which is my second one and i'm really excited as a first year uh professor having two solo authored pieces in the top journal is huge for me so i'm jazzed about it thank you very much not to pat myself on the back but that piece looks at how wellness influencers like bell gibson build credibility within the space Mm -hmm. and part of that is the people who give out disclaimers even though when they're not necessary it is a way to cover their ass And also to increase credibility because they understand that some audiences are looking for that as a sort of um, support and comfort factor in being able to um, apply that information to their Mm -hmm. life. Now, Mm -hmm. we still don't know quite yet if it's the same thing as with like the clothing disclaimers, if it doesn't really affect someone's decision to like buy the clothes or not buy the clothes. So for example, in the wellness industry, if somebody says I'm not a doctor, does that impact whether or not the audience will take up that advice or not? That's in Mm -hmm. the future. We'll talk about that more in episode five, but we're going to talk all about credibility and and disclaimers and aesthetics and all of that kind of stuff um, within influencer culture, but also just within the wellness industry in general, how credibility is kind of built um, on the internet. And I'm going to give advice to audiences and to creators about how they can kind of build this. So you, you know, are like one step ahead of me, which is incredible. And you didn't even this see this so outline validating. before. So I'm so proud not. of you. I'm so <laughs> this proud. is so validating because you're like, you're like the professor. So I like feel <laughs> yeah. so like I got an A. Mm-hmm. Um, another yes. thing that like, uh, and this is, this just jumped in my head. Mm-hmm. The, the, like we're talking about, we're talking to creators, right? We're talking to the people who are the ones putting content out, but yeah. There are two sides of the equation and the other side is the people who are consuming that information. Yeah. And I think that we need a PR campaign to <laughs> go out and I think we should workshop this to go out and educate consumers yeah. to use your critical thinking skills and (laughs) if you see a girl who has literally no credentials Mm -hmm. in health and wellness and she's giving out fitness advice maybe don't follow her (laughs) maybe you know maybe not (laughs) yeah but yeah I think you know as far as like influencer culture. And I think also like we're talking to creators. We're also talking to people who are in the wellness industry as far as business and marketing and want to take advantage of influencers as well. And so these are all things that, that people who work with influencers have to be concerned about, right? Like does your product fit with an influencer's brand? Um, does the influencer have this credibility factor, which we'll talk about. Um, and I'll give advice in that episode five, and again, this episode is is mostly just kind of, I mean, very much so, sk- skimming the surface 
of so many things we can talk about and so many different angles we can take on the influencer industry and um, wellness and how those two are colliding. Um, and we'll continue, continue to do that. Um, but really, I think, I think a lot of people now, and especially people who are watching our videos or watching who are, um, listening to this podcast, understand kind of what an influencer is, but I want to talk just for the next couple minutes and give a brief overview again at like, of like what platforms they're on and stuff like that. And then we'll talk a little bit about why influencers are making such an impact on the wellness industry and kind of this, this overview of, of my book project. Right. So I had this paper that was, um, that was accepted yesterday. And that is part of kind of the base of, of my book proposal and a big part of, of my book and this future research is why influencers are playing such a big role in the wellness industry, why wellness is having a moment, especially on social media. And so this topic will, will kind of return to it, but I think a big thing is how creators are different or influencers rather are different from celebrities, content creators, and entrepreneurs. I think that's something that we need to hit on just briefly, um, especially people who are in the wellness industry, but aren't necessarily in the influencer industry. And that lend that kind of leads itself into why influencers are making this huge impact in a way that's different from celebrities, for example, right? So influencers, their whole goal is that they're like everyday people. That makes them more accessible. So those who are into who are in the influencer marketing space, if you're looking for more of that quote unquote everyday person to be able to promote products and services to people who feel like they're on the same power level as followers are, right? Influencers are a great place to go. However, they come with a series of risks, right? Which we'll again talk about and I'll talk about how to minimize that risk in the next episode relating to, to wellness and credibility. Celebrities, on the other hand, have become famous through mass media work, right? So celebrities are people who have been in movies or TV or music or athletics or modeling, right? They become famous through mass media versus digital media. And then they might open social media accounts and then become popular on social media. The line can be muddled because you'll notice, especially in more recent culture, influencers move into traditional celebrity territory, celebrity territory moves into influencer world. Like there's a lot of muddling going on. Right. And so there's this idea of like, who can be what, and like celebrities can be influencers, for example, but can influencers be celebrities? Yes. Not always, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Celebrities, um, from like a celebrity endorsement perspective, are really useful for wellness brands that are looking to present an expert opinion without actually using an actor who's a physician, an expert, whatever. So for example, in my um, class today, we talked about Gwyneth Paltrow and about Goop and about how her celebrity status and almost celebrity turned influencer status, right? Turned entrepreneur, which we'll also talk about, helps her sell her product, right? Sell her products, I should say, right? Um, and then on the other side of that, we have content creation, which a lot of people do who work for companies within the wellness space, where it's not based on you at all, um, but you are creating content. So video content, other digital content um, to entertain or to educate, you're not always selling a product. And 
content creation or the title of content creator in my mind is usually creating something that's not about that person personally, right? So influencers can be content creators, but not every content creator is an influencer. Does that make sense? Yes. Beautiful. One more. Professor Wellman has one more. So entrepreneur, okay? This is someone who creates a business bearing the risks and enjoying the rewards. It's often started the businesses to fill a gap, to solve a problem, et cetera. So if we were going to put different wellness people into all these categories, which I think would be a useful podcast to talk about examples, this would be like someone who goes out and creates a wellness product. It's not based on them at all. They are not this large social media user that's really popular on TikTok or Instagram or wherever. But they see a gap in the market, a problem that needs to be solved, and then they do so. So for example, uh, last week we talked about natural deodorant. And I talked about that girl who um, who was on Shark Tank. That's an entrepreneur, right? She can grow a social media platform. Maybe she hires people to be content creators to create content around her deodorant, but none of them are necessarily within influencer culture. Now they might work with influencers to promote the product. So you can see all these different actors within consumer culture um, and within the wellness industry and product development and so on, who can have all these different you know, categorizations. Um, the creation of the product often happens before the curation of the audience, right? Whereas influencers usually create an audience and then possibly move into the entrepreneurial space by creating a, their own product or service. So many wellness influencers have created their own products um, and then marketed to an existing consumer base. And they know that they're going to buy, the audience is going to buy because they have this intimate connection mm-hmm. to them. They capitalize on their everydayness, right? Their mm-hmm. content that feels just aspirational enough to like be out of reach you know? And so, yeah, that's a little bit of a breakdown. I still think it'd be really cool to talk about all of those things. It's a little bit outside of the podcast focus, but like me and my content creation world, like I love those kinds of chit chats and like being able to categorize people. I talk about how they move and how, because ultimately all of those people lift up the wellness industry and make it Uh what it is today. Right. But influencers specifically, as far as making an impact, right, they create so much content related to so many different wellness topics, right? We've detailed in the first two episodes, like what wellness is made up of and influencers do all of that and more, right? Like they are promoting so many things, often multiple things at one time and they are pros at making wellness into whatever it needs to be. Now, it's not a bad thing, right? And we'll talk about that the next time I lead an episode about kind of as a wellness creator, how can you ensure that you are creating content in the most ethical way, in the most credible way? And how can you kind of maintain your influence over time? Because that is something that um, people are are really concerned about at this moment. Um, and I think that's really important. But what I do want to talk about is the kind of the last thing I want to talk about is why why is wellness having a moment right now I would say in the last like three to five years, more so than it ever has. And 
what role influencers are sort of playing in that space. So I'm just going to pose that question first. What do you think has gone on in the last three to five years, Michaela, that I know Me? student Michaela, okay, MBA student Michaela, she's calling on me. Oh my God, what is, this. what do you think has gone on in the last three to five years that um, has an impact on the wellness industry? And especially because, I mean, you're coming from another perspective and I'm curious if it aligns with what my research shows. Can I phone a friend? I'm just kidding. Um, she says, no, <laughs> you got this. She just says no. <laughs> I said, absolutely um, not. I think it's D all of the above. I'm just kidding. Okay. Okay. I'm going to actually answer it. Um, obviously I think you've got the pandemic and I, I really think that there are two approaches that I have to this question and both are sort of rooted in what I talked about in the last episode. Mm-hmm. The first being, um, our, us being communicated to about our overall health and we're all very much attuned with uh, any kind of like chronic issues that we might have like oh my back hurts today maybe I need to you know do more yoga or something Mm -hmm. like that right Mm -hmm. making that connection even from the most simplest thing or I just got diagnosed with diabetes like I need to rein back my sugar intake or understand my diet a little bit more like that's really based on our overall health and how the media is talking to us about our health is very much rooted in this. And then the second thing that I think is, um, hmm, how do I put this? I need to organize my thoughts. Brands, businesses, brands are seeing an opportunity there. Mm -hmm. Um, And because of the fact that our we're on our phone so much and we're consuming the media and we're consuming content so much um i think that brands are seeing that as an opportunity companies businesses are seeing that as an opportunity to sell yeah and make money mm-hmm. and that's just fueling the fire and it's this like loop of companies businesses telling you there's something wrong with you yeah. and then also offering a product Mm -hmm. for you to buy to solve the issue that I just told you you had. Yes. Yeah. That's huge. So I love great job. First off, you didn't know, you didn't know that there was going to be an essay question as part of this podcast today. (laughs) We'll we'll pop quiz for Michaela at the end of our episode. Um, But yeah, I think like all of that is huge, right? So not only do you have this pandemic where you, everybody's health and well-being is called into question. Everybody's uncertain about what's going on with this virus and what kinds of immunity you need to have or not have and um, calling into question kind of what you're going to do about your overall health, not only during like the stay at home period of COVID, but post COVID and the cultural, you know, um, assumptions that people made, like gaining the quote unquote COVID-19, which is like the 19 pounds that you had when you lived at your house. Like all of this kind of shit that we go through as a society during a pandemic, right? Coupled with increased distrust of the medical establishment because of political elections being tied up in vaccine rhetoric, right? And certain politicians talking about vaccine rhetoric in very specific ways. Um, You also have uh, another 
ongoing human rights movement with Black Lives Matter again in 2020 and people bringing up uh, considerations of race and identity connected to people's well-being and embodiment and, and wellness is a political space. And I think we should talk about this in the future too. And I think it's something we could both offer, which is how do wellness brands see themselves as political or apolitical and what do we do about that i think that's a fantastic topic that needs to be touched on fascinating um and maybe we give a little bit of guidance if we have it to companies um or to people who are interested in you know answering the question of what should companies do in times of you know, political unrest or whatever. And how can you continue to move forward in the wellness industry? Because I just don't think the argument that wellness is not a space for politics is a thing anymore. I don't think it's going to fly in the future. I think it it flew in 2020 for some, but I don't see that happening again in the future. So that's another, you know, topic. And I love, that's what I love about this podcast. Every time we talk, I'm like, ooh, episode idea, episode idea. <laughs> Every time. Every time. Every time. But yeah. All of that stuff is huge, right? You also have what you were saying, which is this um, increased idea of individualism and neoliberalism. So you need to take control of your own health, right? If you're not taking control of your own health, you're a bad person, which is what's called the moralization of health, right? So healthy people are moral and good and unhealthy people are bad right? And so in order for you to be a good citizen of the United States, you need to be paying attention to your wellness, right? Which opens the market for businesses and for influencers to step in and start sharing knowledge. You also have this moment where everybody is talking about the same thing and it just so happens to be neatly tied up in the health and wellness space, right? So oftentimes health and wellness topics are fighting with other important topics of our day right? But for a lot of people and for a lot of months, sometimes years or years, right? People are talking all about health and wellness all the time. And so it's a prime time and a perfect storm for all of these things to come together. And for influencers who might have more free time than they've ever had, who are in their own homes, working from home, trying to find community, right? Creators are trying to find community and so are followers. So are people who just lurk on the internet. All of these things are, you know, circling at the same time, trying to figure out how to land and to build brands. And I think that the effects of this perfect storm that happened throughout 2020 and 2021 are going to be impacting at least for the next decade, uh, the wellness industry as a whole. And I do not see it going away anytime soon. I don't see influencer marketing going anywhere anytime soon. I think people are arguing that it is going somewhere. I don't think so within the wellness space. I think that there's plenty of room for growth. And that's why I think we will talk about it a lot in the future um, into how you know wellness influencers are utilized. I think we could even do some brand analysis of some brands that really have done a great job using influencer marketing. Um, and what is working. And as the influencer industry continues to professionalize, I think there'll be even more opportunity because ideally the risk for businesses will lessen as they become more professionalized, more structured uh, within wellness. I think more brands will be more apt to utilize them. So I think that's, um, 
I have a lot of thoughts on that, but that's for another yeah, another day. Damn right it is. But oh, oh, ultimately, I agree with everything. Um, but there's so much to unpack there. Um, I know. I know. So much. Yeah. Well, that just means that as soon as we end this episode, we'll be filling out the content calendar and we'll be talking yes. a lot about this. And Which is I'm good because we need to. Yeah. And I know this mm-hmm. part of this episode was a little bit of a tangent because you know me and, and my ability to talk That's about whatever the point of this podcast that's why yes. we chose this medium too <laughs> right right we just like to talk to each other yeah but yeah i think there's so much more to like unpack and so many more things to talk about when it comes to to wellness on social media specifically and you the utilization of influencers from so many different perspectives and so if you are um a wellness professional someone who's looking to build a brand or has a brand or you know cr- has created a product or a service i think there'll be episodes coming in the future that you um, could gain some knowledge from, or at least just have a discourse with us. Um, yeah. if you want to come check out our Instagram, we'd love to, to hear your comments, um, and, and continue to draw on you all as well as our own expertise and, and continue to have the conversations that you want to hear. Absolutely. I'm excited for the next episode, Michaela, whatever you bring. There's so much to talk about. I really think that I feel like um, I'm just gonna, uh, this might happen every week or every episode where I'm just going to play off of what you talked about. I don't know. I haven't solidified this, but I, I kind of feel like maybe like the business of influencers is might be another, a good topic to really get into how like them making money and making brands money, Mm -hmm. how you can be a content creator for your own wellness brand. I don't know. Yes. There's yes. there's there's a business angle here somewhere. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So keep uh keep us in the loop. I'm excited yeah. to get back and and keep recording. Um thanks for those who are hanging out over here. Um, and if you haven't yet, please rate us five stars and give us a follow on Spotify. You can also follow our Instagram. I'll put um, all of our links in our description. I'll also put the title of that book about Belle Gibson. If you're at all interested yes. in reading, um, bet you didn't think you were going to get a book recommendation from this podcast, <laughs> but there you go. Um, I will put that there if you're interested in that at all. And if you haven't checked out our other podcast, It Burns in a Good Way, uh, go check that out because as of now, I believe we have two brand new co-hosts who are joining us and their episode uh, will be live at the point that you listen to this podcast. So go check out It Burns in a Good Way. Uh, We hope to see you over there as well. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. See ya.